Hello, hello, hello. I'm Kimberly Cecil Jones, and I'm sitting in tonight for the wonderful Mr. Aaron Viles. Thank you tonight for joining us with Kernels of Truth, brought to you by Progress Kentucky. We've got a wonderful show for you tonight. After we check in with tonight's co-host, we'll be doing a Kentucky Political News Roundup. And we've got a call for, to action for you. We've got Progress Kentucky's organizing chair, and that's Kit O'Connor, who will be updating folks on our plans to take down Rand Paul, our favorite pastime, right? And then also an interview with my old Kentucky podcast co-host, Robert Connie. And then I'll be honoring, all of us actually will be honoring the late, great Reverend Lewis Coleman for our Black History segment and final segment of the month. Also, but I want to say first, okay, first I want to say this, who and what is Progress Kentucky? I know you've been probably asking yourself and you've been wanting to explain this to your friends and your family. Well, let me tell you. We're an all-volunteer campaign committed to connecting the dots between the Republican-led policies which harm our state while supporting a better political way forward for our Commonwealth. If that sounds like a campaign you can get behind, please visit us on the Act Blue that you see on your screen right now and donate. Any amount will be appreciated and thanks in advance. So getting right down to the wire to the show tonight, we've got a great show coming up for you. I am so excited and nervous to be sitting in for Aaron Viles, but I'm going to just try my best. If you think I could do something better, put it in the comments. I want to know, okay? First of all, once again, I'm Kimberly Cecil Jones, and I'm coming to you tonight live from Louisville, Kentucky, home of the Kentucky Derby. And tonight, my sign says... Let's love one another more. That's my sign. Let's love one another more. How about you, Nate? You got a sign tonight and where are you from and what are you doing? Do I ever, thanks. This is Nate Orshan coming live and direct from Kits and my lovely home here in South Frankfort, Kentucky. And uh, my sign tonight would say, uh, call your legislators so you don't regret it later. That's a like, I like. And people don't know that they actually keep up with those phone calls. And, you know, it's really like a numbers game. Whoever calls the most primarily gets what they want. So call, call, call. Okay. Mm -hmm. Samantha Jean. So good to see you. And I'm loving the new haircut, girl. It looks great on you. Where are you right now? And what does your protest sign say? Okay. Okay, hear you. You're on mute. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yes. Hi, I am Samantha Jean, rocking a new fresh haircut. I'm hanging out in Lexington, Kentucky. And my protest sign today says, Cole is dead. It's dead, y'all. It's over. Let it rest in peace. Do you think we need to have like a, some services for Cole, maybe do a burial for Cole, then maybe people would get the idea that it was dead? Absolutely. I mean, when you just think about, you know, black lung and just all of the mess and things that have left behind, obviously, um, it's already a graveyard. So let's just um, face the facts and move forward. And I'll be talking a lot about that later. And of course, we couldn't have a show if it were not for Mr. Ken Howe, the producer of this wonderful uh, program that you're looking at tonight and also listening to. Uh, Mr. Ken Howe from Couchfire Media, what does your protest sound say tonight? Hey, I am coming from uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, my protest sign today is, is sort of in honor of our governor who we are trying to protect. <laughs> or I guess he doesn't need protection from us, but we're, we definitely came up with a petition today about uh, how, you know, he shouldn't be impeached. And, and he has done such an amazing job with COVID that, you know, 
I don't see how anybody could do it, but my protest sign is uh, we're in we're in this together. We'll beat this together. We are the United States of America and we are the best state of all states, Kentucky. So yes, we have to stick together to make things happen for the betterment of our state. So moving right along, we're going into the news of the week right now. And we've got some exciting things that we're gonna be talking about tonight, Samantha Jean and Nate. And first up, Samantha Jean, you're gonna be talking about Andy Barr and Kentucky Friends of Coal tonight. Is that why your protest sign says something about coal? It absolutely is. And I'm actually gonna tie this in. We've got a couple of stories to talk about here. It's a little bit long and I'm really just touching the surface. Um, there's a, a lot that you guys can do to educate yourselves and learn more about all of these stories. But let's, um, let's talk about Andy Barr and Kentucky Friends of Coal and how they are lying about Texas they're lying about wind and they're lying about coal. So let's connect some of these stories here. Um, so with more than 3 million people in Texas still without power following a rare winter storm, many Republican leaders are lying about frozen wind turbines being the main cause of those outages. U.S. Representative Andy Barr and Kentucky Friends of Coal are blaming wind and renewable energy as being risky and unreliable. Friends of Coal tweeted last Monday, with frozen wind turbines, millions of Texans are without power. In a time of great need, renewable resources have let its Texas residents down. This is a lie, and let me break it down. On Tuesday, Andy Barr tweeted that Friends of Coal was correct as wind turbines are freezing in Texas, exposing the dangers of relying too heavily on renewable energy. Texas Governor Greg Abbott appeared on local TV in Dallas, and he blamed the Texas power crisis on the devastating storm that disrupted power generation and froze natural gas pipelines. He later went on Fox News and gave a different story, saying wind and solar got shut down. They were collectively more than 10%, 10 whole percent of our power grid, and that thrust Texas into a situation where it was lacking power on a statewide basis. Former Energy Secretary Rick Perry said the same thing, blaming frozen windmills for the power outage. But again, they are lying. Governor Abbott clearly already acknowledged that every type of energy source failed in Texas, the majority of which were from natural gas and coal. So we aren't saying that renewables didn't fail here, but it's wrong, very wrong to suggest that renewable energy is the main problem here. So why, why would they do that? Let's first acknowledge what happened in Texas. Wind turbines did in fact freeze, but so did natural gas wells and pipelines and critical pipes at coal and nuclear power plants and equipment panels. Texans were all using more electricity, more than the grid was ever set up to accommodate. ERCOT, which is the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, which operates the electric grid and manages the deregulated market for 75% of the state, said that uh, when demand for electricity exceeded their supply, they were basically forced to shut down the power grid. People all across the state lost electricity to power their homes. Their infrastructure was built to meet air conditioning needs in the summer. It was never designed to handle high demand for heat and extreme winter temperatures. After a big storm a decade ago, Texas recommended that power plants prepare for freak cold weather, but those measures are expensive and they were never made mandatory. All the data right now shows that it was a system-wide failure caused by a storm much worse than the state was ever prepared to handle and not by the use of renewable energy. Blaming wind and solar is a purely political move. Fox News host Tucker Carlson went on a rant screaming that the Green New Deal came to Texas and the power grid in the state became totally reliant on windmills, which we know isn't true because windmills only account for about 10% of Texas's power grid, as I already stated. 
But he goes on, then it got cold and the windmills broke because that's what happens with the Green New Deal. And now the same energy policies that have wrecked Texas this week are going nationwide. They're coming to your state. So this is when it starts to get very, very political. And this is how it connects to Kentucky. While blaming wind and renewable power for the Texas blackouts, Andy Barr tweeted Tuesday that this should be a warning for others as a full embrace of radical environmentalist policies will skyrocket household energy costs, crush jobs and jeopardize energy supply throughout Kentucky and America. Of course, the Kentucky coal industry has been crumbling for quite some time, yet fossil fuel industries are trying their damnedest despite numerous environmental disasters to cling to a dirty profit-driven legacy. And this is just one more attempt to derail the transition to a clean energy future. So let's talk about Black Jewel. Black Jewel was a massive coal company that went bankrupt in July, 2019, and about 1,100 workers in central Appalachia lost several weeks of pay. If you remember, they had a massive protest where coal miners spent months occupying railroad tracks and blocking trains full of coal. That's a story we don't have time to get into. I really recommend that you look it up if you're not familiar with it already. Before filing bankruptcy, Black Jewel failed to clean up its Bell County mine, which they warned could cause imminent danger to the health and safety of nearby citizens because that's exactly what coal companies do. They destroy the land and nearby waterways, make huge ponds full of toxic waste, then they file bankruptcy and leave people without jobs and with huge environmental problems. It's happened again and again. Mining inspector Jason Keaton discovered on January 12th that ponds on the mine were full and could breach at any time. Spillways were eroded and one was almost washed out and substandard water with high levels of pH, iron and manganese was discharging into the Stony Fork branch and a nearby tributary. The ponds are located on a hill above several homes, a state highway and a railroad in Stony Fork. Keaton said the conditions create an imminent danger to the health and safety of the public and can reasonably be expected to cause significant imminent environmental harm to land and water resources in the near future. Black Jewel left without cleaning up their mess and now we Kentuckians are left with a clear threat of yet another environmental crisis. Black Jewel doesn't give a damn. This isn't the first time they've done this. If you live in Kentucky, you likely know someone affected by the dirty realities of the coal industry. We've all heard stories of barren strip mines, destroyed waterways, boulders falling on homes, black lung, lost pensions, entire towns left with nothing but unstable land, undrinkable water, and lost hope. We might have an organization called Friends of Coal, but if you know the truth, you know that coal is not your friend. It is a dirty and dying industry, and it's long past time that we switched to renewable energy. But of course, politicians like Andy Barr and others are constantly standing in the way of progress. Why? The short answer is that Andy Barr is on the payroll. Now, it's very normal for the bulk of political contributions to come from major industries in a candidate's home state. And Andy Barr is no exception. Andy Barr raised about $4.5 million in his last congressional race. Hundreds of thousands came from big coal and investment packs relating to coal deregulation. So his funding doesn't just come from the coal industry. It comes from organizations that are directly linked to fighting the transition to renewable energy sources, as well as allowing coal companies to destroy our environment without any accountability. Part of that strategy is clinging of clinging to the archaic fossil fuel industry is to spread lies about the inefficiency and the expensive nature of clean energy sources. 
The coal industry is big money for Kentucky politicians like Andy Barr, even though it has ravaged our state and left many folks diseased and jobless. Barr wants to scare us into believing that we can't survive without coal. He is lying to Kentuckians, telling us that we can't move forward, we can't have progress, we can't learn new things or move into a clean, renewable future. I'll say it one last time. This is a lie. Coal is dead. Hillary didn't kill it. Obama didn't kill it. It's just a very dirty, finite resource of the past that had a specific time limit. We've reached that limit, Kentucky. We cannot afford to rely on a dirty, dying industry, and we cannot afford to listen to these lies any longer. Transitioning to renewable energy may be expensive, but it's far more reasonable and humane than the human cost of continuing to rely on coal. The future is here, whether we like it or not, and it's time to start moving forward. The Green New Deal is not a big scary monster trying to steal your jobs. It's an idea that can bring us into the future. And we need to be thinking critically about how to do that. New industries bring new jobs and new opportunities to thrive. If we don't evolve, we die, just like coal. So please, please don't believe the lies. Don't buy into the fear. And always, always look to see where the money comes from. We're smarter than this Kentucky. We know what's good for us, and we know who is letting us down. Andy Barr is a liar, and he needs to be left in the past with the dirty coal industry and all of their friends. Wonderful reporting, um, Samantha Jean. Actually, um, I know uh, some people in Texas that uh, did not have any electricity for four days. Uh, thank God that they were fortunate enough to get a hotel, but so many people were not. And this coal situation, I think most people know that coal is not coming back. Um, the live it, it's never going to come back. And um, we have a lot of hypocritical uh, legislators, Andy Bard leading them. Um, Nate, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that? I mean, that was very, very good reporting. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, Samantha Jean covered uh, pretty much everything and in, in, in a very uh, impassioned way, too. So, yes, yes. To you. we are all on team No More Coal. So, thank you, Samantha Jean. Next, we have Mr. Nate Orshan. We have missed you, Nate. Oh, I missed you yes. too. Yes, yes, miss you, man. Um, so you're gonna be talking tonight about uh, some things that are very, very important because the Kentucky legislative session is coming up. So what do you have to tell us? Well, uh, hey, can you hear that low rumbling in the distance? Yes, dear friends, it's the 2021 Kentucky legislative season and we're smack dab in the middle of it. The problem is our session is so short, ending March 30th, and the bills are flying fast and furious. Luckily, we have Bruce Maples and Forward Kentucky here to guide us. Well, not literally here, but last Thursday, February 18th, Bruce posted this piece, seven good bills that might actually pass KYGA 21 this year. Now, we definitely do not have time to look at all seven of these positive bills that are currently making their way through the General Assembly, but we do have time to look at three of them. And we hope that you'll call the Legislative Research Council's message line and tell your representative and senator to support them. And what's that number? 1-800-372-7181. I'll say it again. 1-800-372-7181. We'll repeat it at the end too. So first up, HB 126, raise the felony threshold. So as you can see on the Bill Watch website that we're displaying right now, uh, HB 126 would increase the threshold at which a theft automatically gets a felony charge, i.e. jail time. That threshold is currently $500 and this bill would raise it to $1,000. So if a person stole, say, a $700 laptop, they would get a misdemeanor sentence potentially, currently up to a year in jail, instead of a class D felony, which can result in much more, one to five years of jail. 
here. I'm going to rely on some analysis done by Ashley Spaulding for the Progressive Think Tank Kentucky Center of Economic Policy. Uh, she writes, quote, raising the threshold would result in fewer people being detained, shorter stays in jail, and over time could help to slow the growth of incarceration in Kentucky, which currently ranks seventh in the nation. Kentucky's current felony theft threshold level has not been adjusted to account for inflation and is lower than the threshold in all but three other states. So please encourage your representative and senator to support HB 126 and let's try to slow the growth of prison time for less serious theft. Next up, HB 148, mental illness exemption to capital punishment. All right, cards on the table. I don't believe that our commonwealth, or for that matter, our country should be able to execute anybody. It's an adage that Kit taught me a while back. Why do we kill people who kill people to show that killing people is wrong? Mm. So this bill, HB 148, is a step in a very positive direction that would recognize that if we assume that there are any types of people out there for whom the threat of capital punishment might be an effective deterrent to murder, Spoiler alert, science shows it is not a deterrent. Someone who is in the grips of an overwhelming mental health crisis is not the type of person for whom the threat of capital punishment would work. That seems like a reasonable thing to say, right? So that's HB 148. Please call the LRC hotline and tell your representative and senator you support it. And last up, we have HB 191, COVID monetary support. So this is a one-time assist to qualifying Kentucky small businesses and nonprofits, and it was submitted by Governor Andy Bashir. yay, to quote directly from his press release last month, quote, if passed, HB 191 would immediately provide $220 million of aid to small businesses and $20 million for not to nonprofits, unquote. The point is that uh, our rainy day fund is at its highest level ever, and quote, we have more than $600 million in one-time money available to invest in our future. The budget also does not rely on tax increases or new revenue measures, and there is no spending cuts, unquote. He ends with, quote, we should not let these dollars sit when our small businesses are suffering and need help now, unquote. And you know, you can't get closer to the truth than that. My friends, if there was ever a time to use that rainy day fund, this is the time. So wrapping up, here are the three bills that in the hotline you can use starting tomorrow morning to tell your representative and senator that you support them. The numbers are HB 126, HB 191, and HB 148. And that LRC hotline is 1-800-372-7181. For Kernels of Truth, I'm Nate Orshan. Thank you, Nate. That was wonderful. Uh, I'm going to be calling myself, and I hope that everyone else is going to be calling as well. I mean, Samantha, I mean, all of these bills, what do you think? Obviously, all very worthy issues um, and all relevant. Um, I think it was just last month that um, Donald Trump chose to execute a woman who was suffering from mental illness. Um, and she she lost her life. Um, and so and how proud of ourselves um, can we be? What kind of moral high ground do we have to stand on when this is what we do? Um, obviously, COVID funding of any kind at this point, I mean, I'm, I'm just in support for um, for all of it, anything that can help small businesses and working families. Um, these are all worthy, worthy causes. And I will be calling. Most definitely. So now we're gonna have our call to action. Hey, I've been hearing you guys. I've been hearing the murmurs and everything like that, but you can do this, okay? You can join the Democratic Party reorganization process. As I said before, I've been receiving emails, DMs, phone calls, texts. Everybody has been complaining about the KDP for quite some time but now it's underneath new leadership and we're gonna see what happens, but it can only happen when you get involved. So my suggestion is put some time into helping get a more connected party. That's really what we need. We need a more connected party. So run for the precinct chair. I've done it before. And guess what I won? I couldn't even believe it. I was like, what? So 
put some time in it, run for the precinct chair. It all kicks off really soon, right now, coming up in March. And um, the KDP has a virtual training scheduled on Tuesday, March the 8th. Uh, and use this link that's up on your screen, March the 9th. And use this link up on your screen to sign up. Uh, I've gone through some trainings with the KDP and they've always been very fun and informative. And if you think you know a lot, when you get on some of those virtual training programs that they have, you find out that I really didn't know as much as I thought I knew. So Ms. Kit O'Connor, the organizing chairperson for Progress Kentucky is about mm -hmm. to give us her report. Yes. How you yes. doing? You know, I'm doing good, but you know, I'm sitting back here listening to y'all and I have all this to say. Killing people. I want that ended in my lifetime. I used to work in human rights and you know what? This is the one thing I felt like we could do. And then Donald Trump executes something like 13 people. So I'm kind of on fire over here. And you didn't ask me for my protest sign, but I have this. Um, my protest sign is do you have what you call a regretto slater? As in you regret he's or she or they are your legislator? You have a regretto slater. So get involved and take action. Because you know me, Kimberly, that's what I'm all about. To me, the biggest antidote to anything going wrong in your life is to get out there and take action. So needless to say, I'm pretty busy taking action. So anyhow, I'm good, you? I'm good, but that word regret the Slater? Did regret I get O Slater? Regret O Slater. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm gonna start saying that and you're gonna hear people all over Kentucky saying that. Okay. Yeah, That's gonna be the new Thank word. Thank you. Okay. Because yep. we're regretting all of them down there that are so Republicans. More QAnon, Trumpsters. I mean, it's just like a big bowl of I don't know what you call it. Yeah. Regretislaters. Regretislaters. I hope it, this is our regret, <laughs> regretto slature right now in action. <laughs> Anyhow, so yes, I'm Kit O'Connor. I live here in South Frankfurt with my lovely spouse, Nate Orshan. Um, and uh, I am the organizing chair for uh, Progress Kentucky. What that means is I keep us doing stuff on the ground. Um, I work with folks to find ways to get our messaging out, to get that educating done to turn uh, Kentucky purple. I want to turn it blue, but I'll settle for purple for now. Um, and you know, we are all volunteer grassroots organization. And what does grassroots scream to you? It screams people power, right? And the more people, the more power, the more voices, you know, and I'm just sitting here listening to some of the bills that have gone through and the impeachment and everything. I'm thinking, who is my biggest regret legislature? Now I took action and I voted against her, but Adrian Southworth wants me dead. I swear to God, this anti-mask thing, don't wear a mask. Do not make me regret my move down here from Vermont people because Vermont's fairly safe right now and they do not have people up there saying don't wear a mask. So Adrian Southworth is my current regret a slater. But I have others, man. That Rand Paul, what is gonna come out of his mouth next? And let's call Andy Barr what he is. He is Garland Andy Barr. He is not Andy Barr, he is Garland Barr. And nothing screams buddy like saying, hey Garland, no, okay. So what's going to say about poor windmills? So anyway, these people are exhausting me right now. And so we need to take action. And here's one last thing I want to say. Can you truly be pro-life when you're seemingly okay with 500,000 deaths? Mm -hmm. These are 500,000 Americans and it breaks my heart. I haven't really, I haven't lost anyone, but people close to me have had COVID. My best, best friend had COVID and I was scared to death. So you know what? I may be pro-choice, but I'm a heck of a lot more pro-life than most people I know. I'm done pontificated. What's the work we need to get done, right? Here's what we need to do, folks. You need to do something. If it is your flavor of activism, go sign up with that um, Kentucky Democratic Party, like Kimberly said. That KYGOP is out there running their mouths like nothing I have ever seen in my entire life. And I've been around for a while. They are so full of themselves. They think they own Kentucky, but they do not. 
I have yet to meet someone in Kentucky that I don't truly enjoy and like who I don't and who I who I have gotten the impression they didn't care about our future. Everyone cares about their future. So let's find the way to talk to those people. And you know what? KYGOP, they got a big voice, but they can't shout forever. And if we shout louder, let's let's win that. So get involved with the KDP. Um, and there should be a link in the chat that teaches you how to, that'll show you how uh, where to sign up for that March 9th. Um, talk that they're going to have about it. So that's one place to go. But there's more. If that's not what you're into, and I talk a lot about flavors of activism, because I feel like we need to find activism that sustains us, right? Um, I have a beloved spouse who didn't think he was an activist. And I said, what do you like doing? He's a musician. So I said, turn your activism, use your music and become an activist. Use it to get your activism done. So let's figure out where people want to go and what they want to do. So let's build the movement. Let's build that grassroots that we want. It's an all hands on deck moment. We had our little respite when we got Biden elected, but you know what we're finding out is that these state level GOP um, folks are trying to like torment all of us. So best antidote, take action. So how do we get rid of Rand Paul and Garland Andy Barr? One thing, we got to make our voices um, heard. It's tough with COVID right now, but we're planning on certain actions. Like we're going to be doing a postcard action, which is a very COVID friendly thing. You could write letters to the editor. I can write you a template you can follow for letters to the editor. Um, some of the other stuff we've done socially distance uh, protests. We need to build up that people power so that we can build down that Rand Paul power. Um, we need also to talk to people who think that they are Republicans, but you and I know from talking to them that they only think they are, right? There's that 70% of people in the middle who are willing to like move in a way that I think we can work with. Maybe we aren't going to get, you know, Aunt Nellie, that hardcore Trumper on our side, but maybe her spouse, Uncle Bob, is like, huh, you know what? I kind of do care about these 500,000 COVID deaths. So we talk to them. So we need to, to talk to those people. And how are we going to do it as a group? On March 27th at three o'clock, Progress Kentucky is having a Zoom conversation. We're gonna talk about concrete ways we're taking action, how we're building that grassroots power. We're gonna chat about what you wanna do. Um, and we're gonna see how we can, and we're also gonna have a piece about how we can talk to, you know, that Uncle Bob, maybe not Aunt Nellie, but definitely Uncle Bob and start moving him closer to us. So um, the link should be in the comments, friends, it's not over just because Biden is in office. And we need, to, we need to dig deep down, find that courage that we have to talk to Uncle Bob and get it done. So sign up to take part with us, join Progress Kentucky, join us, talk to me, shoot me a note or whatever. You can even yell at me, that's okay. I'm, I'm pretty thick skinned. And let's figure out what we need to do because we're gonna get it done. And really, I just want us, I wanna lead the future. Because what do they say? If the people will lead, the leaders will follow. Not always true, but I'm sure not going to hedge my bets. I'm going to try to be that leader from the ground up. And that's really all I got because I'm kind of, you know, going on. Love, Kit. Thank you, Kit. And uh, I do feel the same way that you feel that we need to be more active. And, you know, with COVID that has come in, we have learned all kind of innovative ways to connect to one another, to get our messaging out. And also, I, I, I would like to say here in Louisville, Kentucky, I've noticed that people are wearing their masks more. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm getting used to it. I've got all kinds of masks. I've got Chanel masks, Louis Vuitton masks, blue masks, yellow masks. You know, of course, me being an AKA, like my soror, Madam Vice President Kamala Harris, I've got pink and green masks. So, you know, now you can like color coordinate. It's like part of your outfit. So wear your mask. Thank you, Kit, so much. And what we've all been waiting for, not that Kit wasn't enough entertainment. I'm just gonna put that out there. You have missed my hair. I know you have. Kit, you know how much I love you, okay? She knows I love her, and I have not seen her for quite some time, and it was really refreshing to see her today. And she gets me riled up when I feel a little bit like, oh, I don't know. I get riled up when I hear Kit, like, 
uh, I need to do more. So hopefully you heard her tonight and you feel to yourself like, I need to do more. But what we've really been waiting on is the interview tonight that Mr. Nate Orshan will be taking then leaving the helm on it with the wonderful, most magnificent person that I listen to from time to time on my old Kentucky podcast, um, Mr. Robert Connie. So Nate, take it away. Well, thanks, Kimberly. Uh, and uh, welcome, Robert Connie, to uh, Kernels of Truth. Uh, let me tell uh, so, uh, the folks out there a little bit about you. Um, Robert Connie and his co-host Jasmine Smith have been producing a podcast called My Old Kentucky Podcast since 2016. It's a show that focuses on mostly local and some national political current events, uh, but it's really bluegrass focused. Uh, it's, it's, the show is self-proclaimed progressive media, but Connie and Smith do the diligence researching the topics they discuss and presenting their content based on fact-checked sources. Most shows include a notable guest interview from fr a friend of the show like uh, Representative Attica Scott to Governor Andy Bashir, and many, many others. Uh, my old Kentucky podcast can be heard on most podcast platforms and are archived on Forward Kentucky's website. There's also more information at myoldkentuckypodcast.com that serves as the hub uh, to their platforms and social media. And if I could just take a second, Robert, uh, you know, as, as Kit alluded, uh, we've only been in, in Kentucky for uh, just under three years. But uh, I tell you, when we when we first drove down, I said, uh, you know, there's got to be some podcast out there that can sort of get me up to speed on, on what's going on in Kentucky politics. And it only took a single Google search to pop up uh, my old Kentucky podcast. And I've been a loyal listener ever since. So just uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for uh, being around and, and existing. <laughs> oh, gosh, thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate those really kind words. Uh, yeah, I'm watching all of this stuff and hearing your introduction. And, and it's really cool to think about, you know, how how long the show's been going on and all the things that we've we've done. Uh, I could get you some some better pictures, probably. But uh, that that's all right. You know, we're, we're, we look good. We look good. So yeah, thank you for having oh, yeah. me. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, yes. It's uh, what an honor and pleasure. So, you know, we always start out, as, as you've heard, uh, we ask our guests, uh, what does your protest sign say today? So uh, if you have a protest sign, so to speak, what's it say? Yeah, I, I, I thought about this a little bit. And I think my sign would say, uh, Kentucky, there's nothing stopping us. Because uh, I really believe that, uh, you know, the only thing that stands in the way of us having, you know, more civil rights for, for marginalized people, uh, a better pre-K uh, system, better infrastructure, a better unemployment system, uh, it's just ourselves. And, you know, if we wanted to, we could have all of those things and there's nothing standing in our way and we could do all of those things if we wanted to. Right on, uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, so uh, let me, uh, I guess, start off with the first question here for you. Uh, and it's uh, really about the medium itself. Uh, you know, my old Kentucky podcast goes into depth in a conversational way and is very informative and, and factually correct. Uh, but why, why pick the podcast medium itself? And, and how did you uh, get into that specifically? And were you a, a journalism person or what's that? Story. Yes, you know, the, it is such an interesting uh, thing, right? The, the whole podcast medium and, and kind of how it's changed and grown over the years. Um, I actually started doing podcasting before my old Kentucky podcast uh, back in the early part of the 2010s. And I think actually back in like 2009, um, I, I was actually I had a movie podcast that grew out of a radio show uh, that I did at UK when I was in Lexington. And, um, you know, we really liked doing that, but we left school and we were trying to find a place to put it. And we, we put it on uh, a small micro station here in Louisville. And, you know, we like producing audio. Uh, the guy that I was doing with actually left to, you know, started a career in the film industry and I was kind of left hanging. And so I was thinking, well, what else am I really interested in? And my, my background's in public policy. I have a, I went, that's what I was doing at UK. I have a grad, grad degree for, in public policy from, from the University of Kentucky. And I got together with my good friend, Jasmine, who, um, was at that time finishing up law school. And, you know, we made a, a politics podcast about politics in Kentucky because it was kind of an unfilled niche at the time. There's a bunch of other people who've kind of come in and, and done some different stuff. And we're really glad to have, you know, Progress Kentucky and the kernels of truth, like on the scene now. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's really cool to have you guys with us. But yeah, it was a very unfilled niche back in, you know, 20, 
16 when we started it. So, uh, you know, we, we, we really enjoy doing it. We like to do the work and, um, you know, we think, we hope it, it provides a service. So that's, that's how it all came together for us. Oh yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Very cool. And it certainly provides a service for me. Hey, uh, Kimberly, uh, what do you think? Do you have a question? I sure do for Mr. Connie. Um, are there any podcasters, wink, wink, wink or journalists <laughs> that you hear and go, man, I wish we could be like that. Or are there any type of heroes that you, that you look up to that you think of? Well, in the, in the podcasting medium, you know, it's so, it's so interesting because I, I, there's so many different kinds of shows. Um, and, and I think my favorite podcasts are podcasts where people have like a longstanding relationship with the partners on the show, um, where you can kind of really get to know the, how the different people feed off of each other. Um, and, and there's a lot of podcasts that are like that, that, that I really enjoy. Um, you know, there's one, uh, there's a, it's, it's a, it's a ringer podcast called the watch and it's mostly about pop culture, but these two guys have been friends with each other for, since they were in, you know, middle school or whatever. And they just kind of get on and talk about TV or whatever. And, you know, half of the show is mostly just about them talking to each other. And, and I think that's really cool. Um, and, and there's a, you know, I, I really think the 538 podcast is a really good job of this, where you can really understand the dynamics and the relationships between the different people on the show. Uh, and I think that people really gravitate towards that. I think, you know, at, at the core of it, podcasting is almost about like having a relationship with the people on the screen or in your ears, not on the screen. Uh, I guess some of them have, have live, uh, you know, uh, video. We don't, we don't do a very good job of, of self-promotion, but yeah, we do. Uh, I don't know my heroes. I don't really, I, he, heroes will only disappoint you. Uh, <laughs> so I don't have too many of those. Uh, so I, I do have a lot of people I look up to. A lot of people uh, who we do try to, you know, we have an idea about what, what kind of show we want to do because of, uh, of other shows that we listen to. Um, it is kind of another thing that's kind of interesting is, you know, you have different sorts of things that fill different niches where, you know, you have like Pod Save America, which is kind of more of a, an activist podcast, more, more along the lines of what you guys do, where, where you're talking more specifically from, a, from an advocacy standpoint. And then you have like something like the 538 podcast, which is maybe a little bit more about, you know, informing uh, people about what's going on around them that's more from a journalistic standpoint and and we kind of like try to do all of that at once for a while and, and you know I don't know where we kind of fall on that spectrum these days but maybe we're just ourselves and and now we're you know almost six years into it which is just kind of crazy to think about or I guess five years into it which is kind of crazy to think about uh, so uh, you know hopefully we've we've uh, created our own voice enough that people know what we're about when when they turn our show on. Oh, Kimberly, I have a question for you. Whenever you, uh, you know, you've got your AKA mask on, you see other ladies with AKA masks to know, like to win, win a ski weave them. Is that like what you do whenever you mm -hmm. see other people doing it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pinkies to the sky always. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I know that, you know, it was just a slight oversight. I, I understand Mr. Connie, but I know that Kernels of Truth is one of his favorite podcasts. Lady Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. You know, I'm very happy to have you guys on the scene. Uh, very cool to listen to you guys to have a different voice around here. You know, uh, you got you got a ways to go to catch up with us in terms of like the amount of shows that you've done, but you'll get there. You know, you'll get there. Uh, at this rate. I love him. I love him. I do. Right? <laughs> hey, Samantha G, what do you think? You got a question? Um, I do. And so, um, as a progressive in a very red state, uh, we just have a lot of particular challenges. So what issues are really important to you that you're hoping to change? Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I am a progressive in a, in a red state, but in, a, in another way to think about it too is, is I live in Louisville. I'm an, I'm an urban person in a very rural state, uh, which is, you know, just as much of a divider as anything else. Um, and, and, you know, I do think like the core, the core thing that I think really faces Kentucky in terms of its, uh, its problems right now are, are, are its divisions between the different types of people. And, and you can see our politics um, really do break down uh, both in, I mean, even more than a conservative uh, liberal, you know, skew, it is kind of an urban rural split uh, with, with a, uh, you know, people uh, it, who live in a certain type of way don't really understand or, or come to appreciate the, the life experiences of people in, in the other way of, of living life. So, you know, that, that's kind of one of the things that I've really been, been thinking about lately is ways that we can bridge that divide. 
And, and once you even get beyond that, too, you know, Kentucky is such a diverse place. And, and you have, you know, Appalachia and Eastern Kentucky and even Appalachia. You've got Northern Appalachia, places like Ashland and, and to some extent like Pikeville. And then you have like Southern Appalachia, uh, you know, places like Somerset and, and, and Letcher County, Whitesburg. And, and then you've got, of course, Northern Kentucky. You've got South Central Kentucky, Bowling Green, you got Western Kentucky, and you know those two places have, have their own regional identities. And you know, Henderson and Paducah are both Western Kentucky, but they're very different types of places. If you told somebody in Paducah that I thought Henderson was in Western Kentucky, they might get mad at me. So, you know, that's, uh, th there are just so many different ways that, that you know, we divide Kentucky up. Um, and I was just doing it right there. And, and I think that that's, that's one of the biggest things that we face. Now, there's a lot of really serious issues that we face. Uh, but, but as Nate mentioned, you know, we have these bills that we hope can pass. Uh, and some of them are just the lowest of hanging fruits. Let's take free money and spend it. Like, come on, guys, let's get it together. Like, why can't we do that? And of course, we're probably not going to. I mean, let's just be honest about it. We're probably not going to. And, and that is the world that we face right now. Um, when we talk about wanting to, to create a post-coal economy, to have, you know, what we call like a soft landing for coal. I, I've been talking about these issues for almost a decade. I, I mean, I was really active in, uh, you know, the Green Thumb Club when I was at UK to, to really push towards, you know, um, moving beyond coal back in like 2009. And, and that was just a totally different world. Uh, and to think that, you know, uh, we're still fighting these fights in some ways, uh, is just wild. I, I thought your thing about, uh, you know, coal mining was really great. I don't call them friends of coal. I call them the friends of the coal mine owners, which is mm -hmm. really what they are. Uh, you know, those people sell out the miners at the, <laughs> the shortest, uh, the, 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 you know, as soon as they possibly can. Uh, and the people who work in that industry are, of course, you know, some of the bravest and most, uh, you know, they, they do what they have to to feed their families. Uh, and I don't think that that needs to go overlooked in the slightest. And, and the, the thing that that the way that that industry, uh, you know, takes advantage of people's livelihoods uh, and, and enriches some at the expense of the lives of many other people is is really tragic. So I, I was really glad that you brought it brought to that brought that to light earlier in the show. Thank you. So uh, I think in the interest of time, we're going to have to wrap that part of the uh, interview up. But uh, can we ask you to stick around just a little bit longer because we have uh, a special feature to finish up uh, and uh, I, you actually have uh, a little bit of uh, remembrance of uh, the gentleman we're going to be talking about. So sure, can we absolutely. Okay, thank you. Um, so uh, Kimberly, I don't know if, if this is something you want to start off on or if I should just uh, sort of, we're winging it a little bit, but just. <laughs> I know, like. Aaron's not here and uh no we're doing a great job we're setting intentions and I have to be honest with you I may be pumped and bouncing off the walls right now because I have been in a conference all day with Tony Robbins Mel Robbins um, all of these people Jamie Kern Lima I'm talking about the most motivational people that you could ever listen to in your lifetime Whoa. I have been on there for eight hours today so I am pumped take it away Nate all right <laughs> um so uh you know to close up uh, Black History Month uh we're uh going to be talking about a uh, Louisvillian uh, that uh, many of uh, people in our audience may know and a lot of people like myself may not. And uh, this is Reverend Lewis Coleman Jr. Uh, and he was uh, called Louisville's best known social justice activist for over three decades. Uh, using the form of protest to bring about positive change, he picketed and prayed in front of nearly every major Kentucky institution to advance civil rights and equality. And in, uh, in case you think I'm really well-spoken, I'm not. I'm actually reading from the uh, uh, Kentucky Commission on Human Rights. So just uh, uh, give credit where credit's due here. Um, but uh, uh, Reverend Coleman was a staunch civil rights activist, a dedicated fighter against injustice, uh, he called Buster by friends and family, and founder, uh, maybe most importantly, an executive director of the Justice Resource Center, which he began by way back in 1975 with the purpose of fighting injustice and discriminatory treatment for all oppressed people throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So we have a bunch of, uh, of uh, examples of things that he did 
and I'm happy to uh, to go through them. But uh, I wonder if any of the folks here who are lifelong Kentuckians and Louisvillians um, would like to add any uh, recollections of their own. I know Samantha Jean has probably something that she knows about uh, the Reverend Lewis Coleman. I do. Uh, I'm sharing, and, and I'm reading this also. Um, but uh, yeah, so our our last Black History Month feature is on Reverend Lewis Coleman of Louisville. He was a member of Kentucky's Civil Rights Hall of Fame and is a famed community organizer and activist. His focus on the smokestack emissions in Rubbertown area in Louisville prompted state funding for air monitoring, which revealed excessive levels of chemicals in the air and resulted in a stringent toxic air control program throughout Jefferson County. As a direct result of his organizing, the community won a settlement to 157 African-American employees for exclusion and discriminatory practices at EI DuPont Company in Louisville. We are indebted to his efforts and he deserves tremendous recognition for his dedication to activism and social justice. And I just want to tie this in again, go even back to what Mr. Connie was saying and back to our earlier um, discussions of coal. Talking about environmental issues is such just at the root um, of being a Kentuckian. You know, that's one of the, the greatest treasures that we have in our state, our wonderful, our trees, our hills, our waters, our natural resources. Um, and so it just, is really important to showcase um, that people like Reverend Lewis Coleman um, have been taking these issues to heart. They're not just social issues, they're environmental issues. And um, I, just, I just wanted to call that out that this has been a long legacy um, of Kentuckians um, since, since always. And we're really indebted to, um, to folks like him yeah, for keeping our state green and beautiful. Um, I actually knew uh, Reverend Lewis Coleman personally. Um, he was very close with my mother, the late Barbara Brown. And uh, Reverend Coleman, he taught me a lot as well as a young girl, learning about organizing and mobilizing. And I knew that he had this special way about him that people wanted to stand in the fight. I wanted to be out there. My mom was like, uh-uh, you're too young. So, but I learned things and, and it's about being right or being wrong. And it's about who do we want to be when we leave this earth? What type of legacy are we going to leave behind that we sat back and we didn't do anything? Or are we gonna feel just a little uncomfortable and be like the late doctor, excuse me, Reverend Lewis Coleman and do something about it. And I think that we should do something about it. He was a remarkable man. I will always be indebted to him and my heart for what he taught me personally and how he helped my mother. And I do know that Mr. Connie uh, from my old Kentucky podcast also knows some things about Reverend Coleman. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Louisvillian, and and I've I've lived in the city most of my life. Uh, and you know, Lewis Coleman is somebody who was you know very important to the city uh, the entire time I was growing up. He passed away, I think, in 2008, and um, and so you know that was uh, right right about the time that I left to go to college. But uh, you know, when uh, when I think about Doctor Reverend Coleman, I, I think about his advocacy on behalf of black people in Louisville at, at no, uh, with, with very little, um, you know, concern of, about the, the damage that that would do to his reputation among white people in Louisville. Uh, and he advocated so strongly on big, big projects that were supposed to be, you know, these big non-controversial uh, wins for the city. Um, UPS Worldport being one, that's a big, big project here. Um, UPS is a very important part of our, our community. Um, and, and, you know, he was very, very active in, in trying to make sure that, that the deal that the city made with UPS included, um, you know, uh, real progress for Black people in the city a, as well. 
Um, there are lots of other examples of, you know, I, I know that he was very active when, when 4th Street Live went in downtown uh, and some of the racist practices that were going on there, calling those out, making sure that those were in, in uh, front and center. And that was like, I think that that was towards the end of his life, but that, that came on, you know, I think the mid 2000s. Um, but, you know, he, it's very, I think in, in where we are in 2020, 2021, um, hearing, you know, black people unapologetically um, advocate for other black people is something that we're starting to see more and more. Um, and I think it's great. Um, but, but back then, uh, back in the mid 2000s, coming out of uh, what, what the 1960s and 70s were, um, people like Lewis Coleman really faced a, a, a significant backlash uh, among the, the largely white population of, of this city. And uh, he did it very bravely and brazenly in a way that, you know, when I look back on it, it it's something that I really admire um, and, and, and somebody I'm very happy to, to say share the city with me. Um, and so, you know, I think about all of the, the black leaders in Kentucky that I look up to now. Um, Charles Booker, Attica Scott, Reginald Meeks, uh, you know, they're, they're, the list goes on and on. Uh, I, I could go on. They've, they've been on our show. Uh, and, and many times when we've talked to them, um, they've, they've cited him as somebody whose shoulders that they stand on. Uh, and I, you know, uh, it, it's, it's sad that he's gone, but I do know that his, um, you know, his, his legacy lives on through many other people who are doing a lot of really good work in the city and in the state. So that's what I remember about Lewis Coleman. His legacy will always live on. His spirit is living on right now through all of us, whether we knew him personally or not, he still lives within all of us that are for the right thing and for the least of us. Okay, now I just want to just bring this out real quick. We don't have long, but um, I brought this out for you. My coveted mask. See, you can look good with the mask. Clarice, Clarice. <laughs> but anyway, we've had a great time today, didn't we? Thank you to Robert Connie from My Old Kentucky Podcast. Thank you, Samantha Jean. Thank you, Nate, tonight. Thank you, Ken, as usual. I mean, it's just been a great show. But we've got just a few more things that we need to tell you before we just sign off. Number one, are you ready? I know you are to turn Kentucky purple. It's time. Let's do it. Hey. Ain't nothing to it, but just to do it, let's turn it purple and join Progress Kentucky. We're very, very close to 4,000 likes on our Facebook page. Invite all your friends, your family, your next door neighbor, you know, the, the co-worker that you really don't like that much. Maybe this would help them and help their disposition when they go back to work on Tuesday morning. So invite everybody you know, because working together, we can turn Kentucky purple. And like Mel Robbins said today, with the five second rule, five, four, three, two, one, take action. Don't think about it, just be about it. Also, one more thing on our Facebook, share it, spread the word, build the base. And also thank you always. I know my voice gets real soft when I say this every week, but he is so amazing. Ken Howe of Couchfire Media. Couchfire Media ignites multi-camera, live stream, fiction narrative, non-fiction educational, informative animation, and commercial video production content. Set your content on fire with Couchfire Media. Also, you know, all the music you hear all of the time that comes from our one and only Mr. Nate Orshan, okay? Find out more about his music. We still got to do a song together, okay? Go to adnatosongs.com. That's N-A-T-O songs.com. And we just love you, Nate. I mean, it's just been so great for you being on the show tonight. I mean, like, my God, Aaron's not here. And then I get you. Can I get both of y'all at the same time? 
<laughs> okay, so also, you know, uh, we're always working. We're always doing things. And um, you can watch Denise Gray on Kentucky Conversations. Uh, she was on last week with a great show about the KDP, the Kentucky Democratic Party reorganization. You can always watch the replay if you missed it on the Bluegrass Activist Alliance Facebook page or also on Denise Gray's personal public Facebook page. Is that right? No, public page. Okay. So also, I would be amiss if I did not mention that every Sunday at one o'clock, you can reach and see what all the craziness we talk about on Sundays at one o'clock on the Jones Report with Mike Breuer and Betsy Foster. And of course, yours truly, Kimberly Cecil Jones. Go to the Facebook page, the Jones Report radio program. And once again, that telephone number, Nate, can you tell everybody that telephone number in case they missed it? That Because they really need to call like every day, like call every day. Every, every day. Every day. Yeah. So, so first of all, the, those three uh, bills that we talked about, HB 126, HB 191, and HB 148. And here's the LRC hotline. It's 1-800- 372-7181. 800-372-7181. Make sure you call, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to do something a little bit different tonight as we close out Kernels of Truth. And your host, Aaron Viles, will be back next week. But there was a special ceremony happening today uh, with President Biden and others uh, commemorating and memorializing the over half a million Americans that have died to the coronavirus. So as we leave tonight, make sure that we're showing each other love, that we're taking the time out to do something for someone else, and that we're taking the time out to think about our future. And until then, watch a little brief of this as we go out. And we'll see you right here at 7 p.m. next Monday. Each day, I receive a small card in my pocket that I carry with me in my schedule. It shows the number of Americans who have been infected by or died from COVID-19. Today, we mark a truly grim, heartbreaking milestone. 500,071 dead. That's more Americans who have died in one year in this pandemic than in World War I, World War II, and the Vietnam War combined. That's more lives lost to this virus than any other nation on Earth. But as we acknowledge the scale of this mass death in America, we remember each person and the life they lived. They're people we knew. They're people we feel like we knew. Read the obituaries and remembrances. The son who called his mom every night just to check in. The father's daughter who lit up his world the best friend who was always there, the nurse, the nurse and nurses, but the nurse who made her patients want to live. I was in, just in Kalamazoo.